Well, hey, we are continuing our series that we're calling By Their Fruit. We're in week three, and we've been covering just a pervasive metaphor in the New Testament, the idea of fruit, that what we have on the inside of us produces the behavior and the words that come out of us. So it's important to get the thing on the inside right, because then it will produce the right things on the outside. And that is in contrast with leaving the thing on the inside in the wrong condition and just trying to cover it up by your actions and what you say, that sort of a thing. We don't want to cover up what's on the inside with our behaviors and just do the list. We want to get the right thing on the inside. We want the spirit of God on the inside guiding us through life so we can be spirit led. Last week, we talked about abiding in the vine, staying connected with the Lord. If you want to bear fruit for the kingdom of God, stay connected with the Lord. This week, we talk about fruit is first. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts, spiritual appointments, and the fruit of the spirit. So fruit is first. So last week, we closed with John chapter 7 and verses 37 through 39. Very powerful verses, and I want to spring into this week's message by rereading John 7, 37 through 39. And it says this, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Jesus here is saying that those who believe in him, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And what he means by that is that the believers in him will bring good things to this world. They will both receive good things from God and they will bring good things to this world. And this is a a really neat picture in a dry and thirsty land that anyone who's thirsty can come and receive, can come and drink, and then rivers of living water will flow out from them. And this is similar to something else Jesus said in Matthew 13, 52. He said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. The teacher who is familiar with the kingdom, who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven, a follower of Christ, one connected with the spirit of God, is someone who is going to bring treasures into this world, like a homeowner who's got old and new treasures in their house and brings them out and shares them with others. This is a great picture. It's a beautiful picture of the people of God bringing good things to this world. We are called to be a people who bring many treasures and living water into this world. Is America thirsty and in need of streams of living water? Do we live in a thirsty land? I would say, oh yes, we live in a thirsty land. We need streams of living water to flow out from the believers and bring those good things from God to this world. And of course, John 7 
was talking about the spirit. So let's go to the iconic listing of the fruits of the spirit. This is what the streams of living water will be like. The fruits of the spirit coming into this world. Let's read Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So in this world, rivers of living water from the people who believe in Jesus, the followers of Christ will bring love into this world. Is there a shortage of love in this world? Believers in Jesus will bring joy to this world. And I'm not talking about happiness. You know, they say money can't buy happiness. Well, money can buy fun. And I think happiness that way we use that word can go both ways. It can go towards fun, but joy is an abiding. It's an inner satisfaction with life. It's not just fun. It's joy. The rivers of living water that flow out is rivers of joy. We bring joy to this world. Goodness, you know, bringing good things, goodness, good character, faithfulness, these things into the world forbearance, it says here, forbearance, the older NIV used the word patience there. Forbearance is very much like the word patience, except it implies patience with people. So forbearance is not just patience like a gardener is patient for the plants to grow. This is talking about being patient with people. How many people understand we need to be patient with other people? forbearance. You know, these are the things that need to flow out of us. Gentleness, kindness, self-control. These are the things, the, the fruits of the spirit that overflow into this world from those who believe in the Lord. I mean, what an incredible picture. The world is full of strife and hurt and hate and pain and loneliness and we are called into a thirsty land to bring love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and gentleness. We're to bring these things into this world, into a dry and thirsty land. As the followers of Christ, how are we doing with this? Are we bringing love and joy and peace and patience into this world? Is that what we're doing? Are we being successful with this? Well, I would say most are doing pretty well. Most are having Decent success with this. Most are doing okay. You know, there's a, always a tweak or two that can be done. One of the things that COVID-19 has shown me as a pastor is that the maturity level of the body of Christ is higher than I anticipated. Because what happens when you're a pastor is you get to see people at their worst. You know, it's, it's great. You get to see all these important parts of life. You know, you're there when, you know, when a, a new baby comes into the world, you're there when people get baptized, you're there when they get married, you're there when people die, you're there when people get saved, you're there when people are in crisis, you get to see all these different things, but you're also there when people just are belligerent and angry and mean and that sort of thing, and they have big problems with stuff. And it can be one of those things where, you know, when you see that, you can kind of project it on more people than really have that in their heart. And the reality is what I've seen with COVID-19 and the 
the tremendous inconveniences that have been put on to churches is that so many believers, the vast majority of believers are still full of love. They are still full of joy and they're very patient. They're forbearing with this whole situation. You know, that there's kindness and gentleness and goodness. There's all these things still there. And it's so wonderful for me to see that. It's really, really great. So the vast majority of believers I see as really carrying the torch for the Lord through this thing. And it's really heartwarming for me. I'm serious. I mean, 20 years as a pastor, I've seen some garbage. And this has shown me that there are so many believers out there that are just steadfast, faithful followers of Christ. And it's just great. So how are we doing with being rivers of living water flowing into a dry and thirsty land? Well, some are doing okay. Pretty good. Little tweak here and there would maybe be helpful. But there are also others that are really... You know, the more vocal, the more noticeable ones, we're seeing some streams of other things, not streams of love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and the like. Instead, we're seeing streams of politicized divisiveness, streams of foolish emotional reactions, you know, streams of anger and hate, that sort of thing. It's not good. We want to look in your heart and see what's spilling out. You know, we need to make sure that we don't let these inconveniences of our current situation become divisive issues. Because I really don't believe that there's such a thing as divisive issues. I believe there are divisive people, but the issues are not divisive. There can be disputable matters. You know, there can be things that we disagree on, but divisiveness is a matter of the heart. It's not the matter of the issue. You know, we can disagree. We can have debates. We can deal with things that are like that, that are disputable matters, but divisiveness That's something on the inside. And so I don't believe there are divisive issues. I believe there are divisive people and we need to make sure to not be divisive people. We don't want to bring division into this world. We want streams of living water. We want to stand in unity, stand together for Christ. We read earlier by their fruit, you will recognize them earlier in this series. And we should look in the mirror too. By our fruit, we will see who we are. So look in the mirror, are streams of living water coming out of you? Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Or are other things, things of divisiveness, you know, things of anger and hate, are those things coming out? If you see that, then you've got heart issues to deal with and you need to do that. So today I endeavor to call you up into becoming a great follower of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Ephesians 4, verse 1. The apostle Paul is speaking and he calls up the believers there in Ephesus. And he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Paul is saying, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The apostle Paul was close with the church in Ephesus. He knew them well. He spent a lot of time there and they knew that he was now in prison for the faith. He's been serving the Lord and he's been imprisoned. And so he's got a little bit of credibility because he is saying, look, I'm suffering for the kingdom of God. And I call you up as well. Live a life worthy of the calling. And as Paul called them up, let him call you up too. 
Let him call you up and think, yes, I want to live a life worthy of the calling I have received as a child of God, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a believer in Jesus. Let the scriptures call you up to live a life worthy, worthy of that calling. What does living a life worthy of that calling look like? Well, let's read the next couple verses. Here's what it says. Verses two and three. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That to me looks a lot like the list of the fruit of the spirit. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another. So that's that forbearance concept of just being patient with people, patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, stand together. Don't let divisive things get into your heart. So you become a divisive person. It looks like the fruit of the spirit to me. If you want to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received, you're called up into living the fruit of the spirit. So that's what we want to do. We want the fruit of the spirit coming out. We want rivers of living water flowing into this dry and thirsty land. We don't look at a dry and thirsty land and blame it for being dry and thirsty. We instead drink deep of the good things of God and bring those into this world and bring change. Make it better. Let rivers of living water flow into this dry and thirsty land. We're going to look at three things associated with greatness. You know, calling you up, to be a great follower of Jesus Christ. Let's look at three things associated with greatness. The first one is position. The position that you have. Some people, they are, are considered great because they are in a very important position of authority. Then there's ability. Some people are considered great because they have abilities that other people don't have. Maybe they're incredibly good athletes. Maybe they're incredibly good artists. There are things that they have, capacities that they have, abilities that they have that other people don't have. And then uh, the third thing is character. Great character. Somebody can be a great person, a person of great character. So three things associated with greatness, position, ability, and character. In our society, the first two get more attention. And character can even be overlooked. Oh, well, that's an important person in this important position. Yeah, okay, they're not a good person, but we're not going to bother with that because we need their help. They're a person of important position. Also with ability. You know, somebody say is a great athlete, but they have questionable character. Well, uh, we'll let them deal with that. We need, that. we need them on the field. You know, we need their ability. And then there's character. Pushing aside character for position and ability is the pattern of this world. It's not how it's supposed to work in the kingdom of God. The priorities in God's kingdom are different. So we're going to rename these three. We're going to talk about position, ability, and character and put them into kingdom terminology, kingdom of God terminology. So let's talk about spiritual appointment, spiritual gifts, and the fruit of the spirit. So spiritual Appointment, Ephesians chapter 4. So we just read three verses in Ephesians chapter 4. We're just going to skip down to chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. So we're writing that same thing of Paul calling them up into a life of being, you know, worthy of the calling that they have received. And then he is talking about the whole process. And verses 11 and 12 say this. So Christ himself 
gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Spiritual appointment. This is how you attain to a position in the kingdom of God. Who is the one who designates apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. It is God who calls people into positions like being an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher. God calls people into those areas. It is the Lord who calls people in. It's a spiritual appointment. The positions in the kingdom of God are positions that God appoints people to. So spiritual appointment. Then spiritual gifts. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It is a, of course, very important section of scripture that talks about the uh, gifts of the spirit. We're going to read verses 7 through 11. A good listing of spiritual gifts. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit, a message of wisdom to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to one other gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So spiritual gifts, we see that listing of all these different things, you know, all these different abilities that God gives us, these spiritual gifts. They are given for the common good, given to people so that they can bring those giftings into service for the kingdom of God through the church, the body of Christ. And there's all kinds of things, message of wisdom, knowledge, you know, faith, healing, prophecy, you know, distinguishing between spirits, all these different gifts. And there are other gifts of the spirit as well. There's other lists. I think these are just lists of examples. It's not an exhaustive list. There are gifts of the spirit. Like, for example, I believe that God gifts people in being able to do all the technical stuff that makes this possible. It's a spiritual gift. God gives people the ability to understand and see that. I don't have that gift, but I'm so thankful that I have people that are able to do that. So tech team, you are all Awesome. So there are spiritual gifts, these abilities that we have. So the position is like spiritual appointment. The abilities are like spiritual gifts. And then character, we will connect with the fruit of the spirit. And we read Galatians 5, 22 and 23 already. And let's look at that. But the fruit of the spirit, this is the character of the person. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I've got just two main points I want to bring out today. So we've done all the preliminary work. Here are the two main points. Main point number one, spiritual appointments and spiritual gifts are different from person to person, but the fruit of the Spirit is the same. That's point number one. Point number two, spiritual appointments and spiritual gifts are less important or are secondary to the fruit of the spirit. Those are our two points. Let's talk about the first one. Spiritual appointments and spiritual gifts are different from person to person, but the fruit is the same. 
So, not all are apostles, not all are prophets, not all are evangelists or pastors or teachers. Now, maybe you will prophesy and not be a prophet. Maybe you will evangelize, but not be an evangelist. Maybe you will teach somebody something, even though you're not a teacher. You don't necessarily have to have the office, the spiritual appointment to be used in these ways, but not everyone is called to be in those positions. Not everyone is called like me, you know, I'm Pastor Mike, you know, yay. Uh, Not everyone is called to pastor a church. Not everyone is called to do that. Some are called into those areas, but Many are not. In fact, I would say most people are not going to be called into the position or spiritually appointed to be an apostle or prophet or evangelist or pastor or teacher. If we go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, we see the purpose behind the fivefold ministry gifts. Verse 12, what are they there for? Why are there apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So these are the leaders who equip the people to do the work. My job is to help other people get to work. I heard somebody one time say, you know, the pastor's job isn't to do the work of 10 men, but to get 10 men to do their work. That's what the pastor does. Helps people, you know, equips them, gets them going, engages them into the work of the Lord. That's, that's what we do. So most people aren't going to fill one of those spiritual appointments and not everyone is going to have the same spiritual gifts. I think it's quite obvious that, you know, we have different spiritual gifts and that is by God's design. He has created the body of Christ as one body with many different parts and we need each other. There isn't anyone that can just do everything. We are created to have to work together in a symbiotic relationship led by God to do the work of the Lord. We all have different spiritual gifts and, you know, those can change over time and this sort of thing, depending on what God wants to do. You know, he can, he can use us however he wants, however the spirit apportions these things. God can do that. But we don't all have the same spiritual gifts. Sometimes people will use the phrase, that's not my gift. Now, occasionally they use that as an excuse. But the truth of the matter is that if something's not your gift, don't do it. Have you ever seen someone who, you know, leading worship, singing was not their gift? Yeah, well, then they shouldn't lead worship, right? (laughs) If it's not your gift, don't do it. Understand who you are and be that. Spiritual gifts are different from person to person. However, the fruit of the Spirit is universal. Again, Galatians chapter 5, it's really interesting. I didn't really realize this before. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is. This is singular. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience. The fruit of the Spirit is this. It's not that some have love and some have peace and some have joy. You know, some have forbearance. No, we all will have the same fruit of the Spirit. Not all spiritual appointments uh, apply to each individual. Different from person to person. Spiritual gifts, different from person to person. However, the fruit of the Spirit is universal. All believers are to have all of the fruit of the Spirit. That's the way that's supposed to work. You don't get to say, well, that's not my fruit. That's not my gift. Okay, I can go with you on that as long as it's not an excuse. That's not my fruit. Now you're away from the biblical truths. Now you're trying to make rules different for you than everybody else. The fruit of the Spirit is universal. All believers are to have all of the fruit of the Spirit. 
If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, then you need more of the Holy Spirit within you producing the fruit of the Spirit. You need to get the Holy Spirit in you in a deeper way, in a more powerful way, washing out that yucky stuff and bringing in the the heart of God. Let's compare this a little bit to football. Here's the deal. Not everyone is the coach. Not everyone is a coach. Not everyone is going to be able to be the quarterback and throw the ball 80 yards down the field. Not everyone can do that. So not everyone is going to have a certain position. Not everyone is going to have certain abilities, but everybody on the team needs to be a team player. Everybody on the team needs to want to win. Everybody on the team needs to run the play that's called. You know, there are things that are universal for everyone on the team, and that's akin to the fruit of the Spirit, the character that we have. It's not the same position, not the same ability, but we all need to be team players, all running the same play, all wanting to win. So the fruit of the Spirit is universal. Then, point number two. Spiritual appointments and spiritual gifts are secondary to the fruit of the Spirit. They are less important than the fruit of the Spirit. We've already talked about false prophets in this series. These are prophets without the fruit of the Spirit. These are people who do not carry with them the love, the joy, the peace. They don't care about other people. They care about themselves. They don't love other people. They love themselves. These are false prophets, not because they don't have a position but because they don't have the fruit. Having the appointment without the fruit creates toxicity and it hurts people. If you're a teacher and you're just a real good teacher, but you got yucky stuff inside of you, you're not going to produce anything good. You're going to produce people with yucky stuff inside of them. They may be very knowledgeable, but they're going to be icky people. It's dangerous. The fruit of the spirit is primary. Fruit is first over position and ability, over spiritual appointments, and spiritual gifts. Talent or availability, spiritual gifts, and the willingness to serve will get you started. But character will keep you there. The fruit of the Spirit will keep you there. If you're a person with incredible ability, incredible spiritual gifts, and you step into opportunities that are open to you by the Lord because of those gifts, but you don't have good character. You don't have the fruit of the spirit coming forth in your life. It's going to all come crashing down because it's so much more important to have the fruit of the spirit than to have the position or the ability. And scripturally, the gifts are nothing compared to the fruit. You may think, well, I have these spiritual gifts. And so I get to be in this important position. I tell you, watch your heart. Even maybe you started off with a right heart and now you think you're all important or something and your your heart starts to change and you start to lose some of the fruit of the spirit. Watch that. You know, that can be difficult over time. Also, it can be difficult. You go through hardships and difficulties and your heart starts to change. Hold on to that childlike faith, you know, full of those good things from the spirit. Hold on to that as time goes on. Scripturally, spiritual gifts are nothing compared to the fruit of the spirit. Uh, We were in... 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about the different spiritual gifts. Now we'll go to chapter 13. So this is talking about the importance of spiritual gifts and something else that's really, really important. So here we go. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe that if you have the faith to move mountains, but you don't love people, that it counts for nothing? That if you sacrifice everything, give all you possess to the poor and are willing to suffer anything for the kingdom of God, but you don't love people, that it counts for nothing? You believe that? Love is primary. Love is more important than your abilities, your accomplishments, your position. It's more important. The spiritual gifts are nothing without the fruit of the spirit. You believe that? Most people would say they do, but people have a tendency to value the ability, to value the gift, to value that piece of it. When I was in the, the normal workforce, I suppose this also applies now that we hire people at the church. You know, when you're hiring people, the question is, which is more important, the resume and the qualifications or the character of the person, their ability to be a team player, to, you know, to learn and grow, which is more important? Well, of course, their character, their ability to be a team player, to learn and grow is way more important than what they have on their resume. Everybody will acknowledge that, but they still hire to the resume. <laughs> they still, oh, well, that person's got, you know, two master's degrees. Oh, well, let's hire them. Well, if they don't have good character, it doesn't matter. I'll take the person that hasn't finished high school who's got good character over the person with two masters. You know, it's just, it's vitally important. But we have a tendency to see the tangible, which is the fancy resume. We need to realize that the fruit of the spirit is much, much more important. So today I call you up to be a great follower of Jesus Christ, to be a great servant in the kingdom of God, to be great, not great in your own eyes or to be better than anybody else, but to be a great servant of the Lord, to be someone who bears fruit for the kingdom of God and brings glory to almighty God. Doesn't bring glory to you, but brings glory to God. And we start that process with the fruit of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, and then the appointments into positions will come over time. But we start with the fruit of the spirit. We start with bringing the Holy Spirit into our hearts and letting that love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, all that flow out. That's how it begins. We start with receiving the spirit and letting the fruit overflow. So let's look in the mirror. Look in the mirror and make sure that we got this right. Because if we get this thing wrong, we're in a world of hurt. If we get the fruit of the spirit wrong, if we cover up the darkness in our heart through actions and just trying to do the right thing, but we never deal with the issues of the heart, we're going to have a serious problem. James, our closing scripture is going to be James chapter one, verses 22 through 25. We talked earlier about looking in the mirror and and checking our heart. You know, you'll know them by their fruit, but it's also a great way to assess yourself. Let me tell you, even from a pastor's perspective, it's really hard to get honest input from other people. You know, there are people that like me more than they should. And there are people that hate me more than they should, but there aren't very many people that can see really who I am. The Holy spirit can see really who I am and communicate that to me. So I need to be honest and look in the mirror. And that's what, the book of James chapter one, 22 through 25 is talking about, and we all need to do the same thing. So here we go. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently 
into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So we want to look. It's like looking in the mirror, look at the scriptures, the verses that we read, talking about the importance of the fruit of the spirit. We want to drink deep of the good things of God and have those things flow out of us into this dry and thirsty land. We don't want to bring darkness, you know, to this world. We don't want to bring hate and strife and bitterness and divisiveness into this world. We want to bring love and joy and peace and patience. We want to bring the gospel, the truth of God, the forgiveness, the redemption of God into this world and not in a condemning way, but in a, in an appeal because we love people. That's what we want. If you're honest, when you look in the mirror, you're going to see a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Next week, we're going to talk about that. You know, Jesus said a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And then I look in the mirror and I see some good and I see some bad. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? How how does that work? We're going to talk about that next week. We'll go to Romans seven and eight. We'll talk about those battles that happen on the inside. And if you're honest, you're going to see some good things. When you look in the mirror, you're going to see some bad things. When you look in the mirror, Let's be honest. And right now, you know, next week we'll deal with that in a deeper way. But right now, let's ask God to create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. We can ask for that. For the Lord to create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. This Psalm 51. Let's pray that over ourselves so that we can have the spirit in us and the fruit of the spirit flowing out of us. So join with me in prayer. Heavenly father, you are so good. Praise be to your name. Lord, help us to look in the mirror. Honestly, look at the scriptures and let your spirit show us who we are, what we've got going on in our hearts, what's right and what's wrong. Lord, I know when I look in the mirror, I see some things that, that are going good. And I see some things that aren't. And Lord, I need you to help me. I need you to wash out the darkness and to fill me more and more that I be being filled with your spirit so that, that those good things that I can drink deeply of you and have rivers of living water flowing out. And Lord, for each one, each one watching, Lord, help us to drink deeply of your spirit, drink deeply of your ways of your truth and to have your spirit within us, growing in us, building us up in our character, in our heart, so that those beautiful things, those rivers of living water flow out from us, rivers of love, rivers of joy, rivers of peace, Lord, all these rivers of living water flowing out into this dry and dusty land. But Lord, we know it has to be real in us first. So create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us so that we can truly walk in your ways. Help us, Lord, to do this more and more, to increase in this, to grow so that we can live a life worthy of the calling that we have received. So father bless us in this way in Jesus name. I pray. Amen.